With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Well, good morning and welcome to Zero Today. It seems that we have a, uh, having a few difficulties with technology, but that's all right. We are here. We are here. We're excited about being here. Happy Wednesday to you. Happy second day of July to you. My beautiful listeners, we thank you. Uh, welcome again to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Ailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. And as always, it's our goals, our responsibility, our duty to promote a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, empowering you, our listeners, to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us as on join us on this illuminating journey. The primary way, of course, is by calling in the number two three seven three four seven. Two three seven five two three zero. That is the number if you want to get your two four cents, six cents a dollar chat in, whatever it may be, you can do that. Uh, we've been having some difficulties with the chat line. We hope to have the chat room open. Uh, we should have that open shortly, so just bear with us. Like I say, it's just one of those days, <laughs> but we're glad that we're glad that we are here. We're glad that we are. Uh, on the air, we're glad that you're tuning in to us. We appreciate you so much for joining in. We've got a lot to talk about. Our subject today is we're going to be talking about uh, the wealth of preachers. and I'm going to be very, very general in that, not just include, uh, well, primarily uh, pastors in the Christian, uh, uh, Christian aspect, but also other religious clerics and um, religious leaders. So we're going to be talking about that uh, because um, and this stems from a, uh, an article I posted 
I cannot talk this morning. Let me slap myself up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this stems from an article I posted on my Facebook page, and we'll be discussing that. But that is where we'll be talking about how wealthy should a pastor be. How wealthy is too wealthy? What is What should be a pastor's package? And being an AME church, we all, those of us who are tenor elders in that uh, communion, faith communion, we know what about a package. So we'll be talking about how big is too big for a pastor's package. Uh, Salary and all of that, and got some wonderful things we'll be discussing. But before we, uh, we got a couple other headlines we're going to talk about. Before we go into that, let us go before the Lord in prayer. Ease our minds, our souls, calm our spirits. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We love you. We thank you for grace and mercy. We ask that you would guide the words and dialogue in this show today. Stand by us, lead us in the way we should go. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. We pray. Amen. All right, so there are a couple of trending headlines that I like to discuss. And um, the first one comes from out of Sudan, and I, I'm excited about this one because this uh, we, we talked, uh, we discussed uh, about several weeks ago about Dr. Miriam Ibrahim. Um, if you remember, she is the Sudanese doctor. She's the Sudanese doctor who um, – boy, I tell you, something just popped into my earphones and just threw me for a while. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, I, I don't even know. Yo, this is going to be one interesting show today, and not because of the content. <laughs> anyway, so um, – so um, – as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. Um, we talked about Dr. Miriam Ibrahim, who was the Sudanese doctor who converted to Christianity and was jailed and issued a death sentence because of her conversion to Christianity. Well, the good news is that she has been released, and you probably are aware of this. Uh, she was released from prison a couple of weeks ago, and I wasn't on the air, so I didn't. Uh, I did not make the uh, announcement on the air. But she was released from prison a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she was held up at the airport in Sudan, North Sudan, for a little bit. Uh, and but she safely arrived in South Sudan, and she's uh, uh, she's doing well. However, she did mention, and she 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 stated that her child, her newborn baby has some disabilities because of the conditions in which she was born. The child was born while she was in prison and, of course, while she was shackled up in prison. And that was not the best means. It was not the best condition for the birth. And as a result, the child is suffering from some disabilities. Now, it was not clear. She did not state what type of disabilities, whether they are mental or physical disabilities. But one thing we we are know, we do know is that... Uh, that um, there'll be definitely a great need for care in the future. And her being trained as a medical doctor, it should not be an, a big of a big deal for her. But you know, uh, it's it's still going to be it's still going to be uh, challenging. But we soliciting your prayers to continue uh, to be continued for uh, Doctor Ibrahim, her family, her her new husband, her new child, all of those. And I'm just grateful that. That uh, the Sudan, the Northern Sudanese government, gave in to the international pressure that was put on them, thrust upon them, because of the um, 
the type the type of case it was. Um, we know it was a human rights issue to begin with. So yeah, by making it a human rights issue, not so much not so much a um Christian issue, but just a human rights issue. You know, you're threatening to kill a mother just because, uh, uh, you know, of her, her conversion. And again, you know, two years ago when Sudan split into the two different nations that they are now, northern and southern, northern primarily Islamic, and they do follow the Islamic Sharia law, strict Islamic Sharia law, and southern Sudan, which is predominantly Christian, um, Still conflict going on in both of those countries. Still conflict, and she was one of the incidentals in that conflict. So, continue to pray for both of those countries that, as they um, struggle to find an identity, whether it be whatever it may be, hostility is too great. Uh, and and I, uh, as I transition to the next news, this is probably one of the biggest trend for. Uh, for conservative Christians, evangelical Christians, uh, on Monday, excuse me, about to sneeze. <laughs> oh boy, that was a good one. On Monday, the United States Supreme Court uh, came with a ruling in favor of what some would consider religious freedom uh, with their ruling on Hobby Lobby on Monday, or Hobby Lobby and a couple other businesses that. Uh, uh, Signed on to this. The ruling basically stated that um, those organizations, those companies, those corporations did not have to follow the or um, they did not have to subscribe to follow or uh, they didn't have to give it to the mandate in the health care law for forced abortion pills, contraception. And they based that decision on, and I don't have the, I have skimmed through the rulings. Uh, the court made a five to four decision on this ruling, and of course, uh, even some of the more conservative leaning uh, or liberal leaning judges ruled with the majority, uh, uh, with the majority uh, conservative, the three, uh, three main main uh, conservative uh, judges on the bench, but. Ruling states that the company did the companies that are whose owners, because the company is a corporation is a living entity in itself. If the if the owners of a privately owned company have a particular set of religious uh, views, in this case it happened to be Christian, uh, that those companies cannot be forced uh, uh, to. Subscribe to any other thing. They can, the in other words, the religious views of the owners of a privately owned company trump that of the corporation itself or the government in this case. So I mean, while some celebrate it as a major a major victory or uh, for for conservatism and for you know religious freedom, there there are some. There are some side issues that need to be addressed because it's also a precedent. And by saying that, um, now they're opening it up to a whole lot of things that we may not be prepared for regarding um, non-Christian companies. And and I hope the uh, those who were pushing for that, I hope that those who were pushing for that realize that you know it's not it's a victory, but it might come back to bite them. 
And we, I hope it doesn't come back to bite them. But, uh, but it also says another thing. It also says something about this issue, um, um, this issue about corporations. Uh, and I was reading, and I got a lot of information about this from Christian Post and several other uh, Christian news sites that you can go and visit and get to, you know, get several opinions and uh, articles about. But primarily for um and, and it's not about women's rights. I don't want to I don't I will not present this in the argument of in the context of arguments for women's rights, women's reproductive rights, uh, um because I in word in so many ways I see the hypocrisy that, that they're making the argument of hypocrisy they're making against Hobby Lobby because they provide uh allegedly provide Viagra for men but wouldn't provide contraceptives for women so you know i i don't know the details about that but uh, you know for some that's a valid argument my thing is you're arguing about religious freedom and uh there's been a trend in the last uh particularly the last um year or so where this this phrase religious freedom has come up in political agendas particularly regarding homosexuality uh, same sex or well, same sex marriage and uh um discriminations regarding that because you know you heard about the baker in uh, I believe it was Oregon or that refused to make a cake for refused to make a cake for a gay wedding and the couple sued and won um and then there was the era of several several states that passed um religious uh uh, freedom from religious discrimination acts and as is saying that a business uh if it's had christian leanings uh had the right to refuse service to those that they deemed or they determined to be or says to be um against their religious views for example uh so they could refuse service to someone that if they believed to be homosexual or you know, non-Christian, whatever it may be. I know that sounds foolishness, but even here in the state of Mississippi, we passed something similar, not quite the same or not type of extreme, but we did. Uh, it was, it, it was, I, I'm just telling you, I was trying to, uh, I, I was trying to, I got so much coming in my ear because I got these, uh, what in the world is going on here? I was opening up an article, and the article has these in-house ads, you know, with video and audio, and it's just blasting in my headphones uh, because as the page refreshes itself, the ads refresh itself, and it just gets annoying. Uh, so I, I apologize for this distraction. I did take my meds this morning, so I'm all right. <laughs> but what I tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and get into this topic for the day. And that way, hopefully, I can get through this article, and I won't have to worry about all this distraction. So today, we're talking about the pastor and prosperity. How wealthy should a pastor be? I want to hear from you. I want to hear. Um, I, I love to hear your thoughts, your insights about this. What should be? Uh, what should be a pastor's package? Uh, how wealthy should he be or she be? And um, in your opinion, are there pastors? who are taking advantage of the church. So, again, you can share it on the phone, 
347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your thoughts in on the air. The chat room is open, and we do have guests in the chat room, so you can do that and uh, get it in. Send me an email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at uh, Zero Network. I forgot to mention this in the opening. Uh, in the opening, opening sequence, so uh, you can send your comments there. But we're going to take a quick break, and once we come back from the break, what we will do is get into our topic for the day, and hopefully uh, we will not have uh, any distractions, any more distractions than we already have. So we'll be back right after this. Well, apparently we are having so much technical difficulties today. I don't know what's going on. None of my audio files are playing. So we're just going to have to roll with this thing. I, y'all, I, I apologize. I, I really don't know what's going on here. Uh, pages are not loading. Music and audio files are not loading. And, man, this is going to be a hard show. Y'all better pay for it, brother. Pray for it, brother. Say a word, say a word, say a word, say a word. And, uh... I know I see some other callers, but I can't even connect to some of the callers. This is just ridiculous. But anyway, we're going to make it work. You know, we're going to make it do what it do, baby, baby. We're going to make it do what it do. Yeah, so let's let's try to get into this topic, and I'm going to see if I can refresh, do some refreshing here, and, and see what comes up. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we won't get disconnected, but we'll see. Anyway, so. Today we're talking about the pastor and prosperity. How wealthy should a pastor be? I drew this. Draw, I'm drawing this basically from a an article that I got from the Atlanta uh, uh, Atlanta Black Star a couple of days ago, and the the article stated that there were uh, a list of eight pastors mega church pastors who made 200 times more than their parishioners and they listed I provided the link in the um episode info so if you go if you're if you're logging in you'll see the link to the article if not you can simply go to the atlantablackstar.com and you'll see the uh black pastors network 200 times greater than folks in the local community um and you can just you can see the article there. Now that article listed eight, and we know there are far more eight black pastors who are superior, uh, extremely wealthy. Um, matter of fact, if you watch the preachers of L.A. Uh, last season, and of course they have another, and I ain't trying to put a plug in, but apparently I am. They have another season that's coming in, coming on sometime this year. Uh, but you know you saw the wealth. Of those pastors um, on that show, and so it it it, it, it begged to off ask the question, you know, what what what's going on with these preachers and how they're making so much money? Now, I wanted to put this in the context of uh, complete religious clerics, not just the black church, because first of all, you have to you have to. Uh, uh, Put it in the context of the church in, in church universal of that, uh, and not confined it strictly to the black church. But the, uh, the black church is is the one that's probably 
the, the drawing the most slack because or the most attention because uh, of the great disparity in wealth in black America and Africa. Now, three of the pastors listed on that show on it in that article are from Nigeria. And if you read through the article, you'll find that um, one of them is worth over a hundred million dollars. And uh, the rest of them worth millions, tens of millions of dollars. And, of course, we have familiar names like T.D. Jakes, Creflo Dollar, and they threw in Eddie Long. But I don't think Eddie Long is as wealthy as he once was. He once was a multimillionaire, but I, I don't think he is now because of the scandal and whatnot. I mean, they paid out $25 million. Now, the church still may be millions. Uh, and, and uh, you know… The biggest problem that I think most people have is not so much the wealth of the pastor, but the accountability regarding how they accumulated the wealth. And that's what we're really going to focus on. Um, and that's why I wanted to talk about this, uh, because I'm going to just be honest with you. I have no problem with wealthy pastors. I expect to be one eventually. I mean, I, if I... If I do well in ministry, I, it should benefit me just as if any other job. Ministry is my vocation. That is my job. That's my full-time job. Just as if I, when I was teaching, I expected – I didn't expect to stay a broke teacher after teaching, fit, you know, 30 years. I, I know very successful teachers who wealth – you know, they did accumulate wealth over time, you know. But, you know, when it comes to preachers, we're talking about uh, uh, a micro – amount of time that these preachers are accumulating wealth. For example, uh, in a period of 15 years, uh, T. Jakes accumulated millions of dollars. About the same with Creflo Dollar. And as a matter of fact, with Creflo Dollar, it didn't even take him 15 years, maybe 10 years. Uh, he started the church in the late 80s, and by the time of the um, by the time of 2000, he was a multimillionaire. He already had the million-dollar home. Uh, Jake's it took a little longer because he actually uh, labored more. You know. Now I want to play this clip. I want to play this clip by Kenneth Copeland, and I do hope that it plays. Um, oh, there it is again. I tell you, man. Uh, um, this is. I want to play this clip by Kenneth Copeland, and that 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 doggone ad. I, I don't want to click off this article because it's one of the things I want to read. Uh, let me go ahead and read this article so I can click off of it and stop getting on my nerves. <laughs> uh, this article is by uh, Tom Rayner, who is a contributor contributed to the Christian Post, and it's, it's a very recent article. And the article is titled, Seven Reasons the Pastor's Salary Can Be a Source of Tension. I'm going to hurry up and go through this so I can click off this doggone thing and it stop getting on my nerves. Um, reason number one, the pastor's salary is often public information. Um, he states that in some cases the entire church sees the amount on a regular basis. In other cases, certain members have ongoing access to the information. Uh, the cost of availability of the information can engender discussion. In my church, we make my, – my salary is you – know, in any African Methodist Episcopal church, the salary is public notice. We make reports. It's printed. You know, we, we make reports. We have to state to the conference what our salary is, how much we raise, yada, 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 so forth and so on. Um, uh, my church produces weekly financial uh, reports, so any member, anybody, 
you simply you I, I you don't have to ask me. My treasure makes those available. So if you want to know anything about anybody, money when it comes to the church, uh, that's what you do. You you know you simply request it. We provide it. We do the, we do monthly. We do quarterly. We do weekly, quarterly, weekly, monthly, quarterly. And yearly, so every member is in the know. They know what my package is, okay? And it's not a big package. Um, number two, some church members view salary as a necessary tool for the pastor's humility. And I get, I've had that, heard that argument. You know, uh, you know, the pastor should make a lot to, to prove that he or she is humble. You know, it doesn't prove that you're humble because you don't make a lot. You know, I know a lot of people who are humble who are wealthy and i know more uh prideful people who don't have any money matter of fact most of them are in the church the ones who don't have the money are the ones who usually tend to argue the most about what the preacher makes um uh now this wants to freeze up on me see there this is just not a a good day for my technology but anyway let me just let me just move this on. Uh, if you want to find that out, it's um, an article, Christian Post. Uh, go to ChristianPost.com and you'll see the article there and you can uh, read it. I'm going to take a, trick, a quick break uh, and see if I can get this audio stuff together. Hopefully, uh, if the audio gets together, the files get together, we can get back on program, okay? So we're going to try this break. We'll be back right after this. There's nothing as soothing as having a sweet aroma penetrate all of your senses. Peacock, the newest candle fragrance by Heatcentric, is that aroma. Peacock is a vegan hand-poured candle that fills the room with a soothing aroma that everyone is guaranteed to enjoy. Peacock by Heatcentric is the fragrance developed by Lady Jocelyn Sanders that's designed to reflect the glory in everyday life. I guarantee you will not disappoint it when you order your candle today from Heatcentric. I have one at home and in my office, and I tell you, it's so good. It helps me relax at home, and it helps me concentrate and stay on task in the office. You need to order yours today by visiting LadySanders.com, and while they also pick up a copy of her book, The Encounter, I'm telling you, you will love both. Peacock by Heatcentric, reflecting the glory in everyday life.
I've been a victim of identity theft on more than one occasion, and I gotta tell you, it's never been a pleasant experience trying to clean up the mess afterwards. That's why I decided to find a safe and secure way of protecting my identity and my good name through LifeLock. LifeLock is more than just a credit monitoring service. It provides full identity protection and monitoring and scanning for any threats to your identity so it can also quickly respond to it. Now, here's the other good thing I really love about LifeLock is that it offers a guarantee of up to $1 million should you ever become a victim of identity death while using LifeLock. LifeLock is not an expensive thing. Plans start as low as $10 a month. I, I tell you, you ought to go there and check them out. Visit their website, www.lifelock.com or call 1-800-607-7205 and enroll today and I guarantee you will start to feel safer the minute you get it. LifeLock, you'll love it. Alright, welcome back to Zero Today. Again, I'm your pastor, your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. And uh, I guess we're recovering from all this technical difficulty. <laughs> so much that I wanted to bring up. But um, uh, hey, it is what it is. We're going to keep the rolling as we do. Um, so before the, before, the, before the break, and I was just trying to get the audio set, uh, everything set up. So I, I wanted to play a file by Kenneth Copeland. If you're not familiar with Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Copeland is probably the premier televangelist of uh, the 20th, uh, the latter part of the 20th and 21st century. Probably one of the wealthiest of all of them. All of them. Um, anyway, Kenneth Copeland is the uh, founder of Kenneth Copeland Ministries. Has a major international ministry. Has uh, you name it, he's done it from films to movie, uh, from from you know kids movies, kids films. Uh, he was a recording artist. That's how he actually got his fame from making a record back in the '60s that hit the top 40, made him a little money. Uh, he was a he was a pilot. He is a pilot. He's a pilot for Oral Roberts, and Oral Roberts, you know, kind of helped him get you know. He didn't pick up the mantle for Oral Roberts, but he sure learned a lot from Oral Roberts and Kenneth Hagen, both of those out of Tulsa. And um, well, he's he's wealthy. He's so wealthy, he has his own, literally his own zip code in North Fort Worth, Texas. He has his own complex with a uh, with his own airport, literally, literally his own airport. Uh, a church complex that's a uh, uh, mega church plus a uh, compound for his entire family. But anyway, 
Kenneth Copeland, about a couple of years ago, uh, at one of his meetings, uh, decided to share some uh, some of the financial inf- information about his ministry. And you might find some of this shocking, but it he he he, he comes out and says that he's a billionaire. So listen to Kenneth Copeland. This is coming from one of his meetings. Uh, I think I want to say it's from either 2008, 2009, but check this out. <sighs> okay. We are having difficulties again, yet again. So uh, I'm going to try to come back with that, try to come back with that, um, that clip because I wanted you to hear from his own word, his own mouth, uh, uh, what he he claimed to be a billionaire. And you know, when I hear things like this, part of it upsets me. Part of it upsets me, and part of it doesn't. So uh, I'm gonna try again, see if I can try try this one more time, see if we get it or not. But I tell you, it is just not working in my favor today. <laughs> Uh, and y'all see who else wants to join in the fun okay let me try this again today could not be a worse day when it comes down to <laughs> To this show, I tell you, man, that's the 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 glory of live radio. It you never know what you're going to get. But anyway, so let's get back to let let's just keep doing what we do. We we'll see if we can bring that uh, that audio up in later on. Anyway, so back to this article about the eight uh, the eight pastors whose income is two hundred times greater than their uh, constituents. Now. The argument, the underlying argument, was so much was not so much about their wealth as much as it was how they accumulated the mess, the, the the wealth. There's a question here, uh, church board brought up here in the chat room. Does it send the incorrect message to preachers when wealth is the focus and the message, and not the message of Christ? And I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. It does send an incorrect message. It's saying. It's saying to the congregation, it's giving the congregation a false sense of hope. And it's our job as pastors, it's our job, it's our responsibility as pastors not to give them a false sense of hope. Uh, Paul in, Corinth, uh, in Romans, Romans said, um, no, it was Second Corinthians. Was it Second Corinthians or Romans? Uh, we, If we have a hope that is seen, then it's not hope. I think that is First, that's Romans. Uh, yeah, Romans. A hope that is seen is not hope. And what these pastors who are putting forth this message of wealth, you know, however they get it, and primarily those who, who uh, get it from the church, uh, when they put forth that message of wealth, they're putting forth the message of a false sense of hope. Um, what do I mean by a false sense of hope? One, they're saying they're equivalating salvation with uh, material gains, and of course that goes against Christ, uh, particularly when Christ uh, spoke to the rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler had amassed a lot of wealth, and he st- he claimed to have followed the law, and 
when Jesus asked him, so, you know, are you serious about it? What do you do? He basically said, I kept all the laws. And Jesus said, good. Now go give away everything that you have and follow me. He couldn't do it because he had so much. So that was my question, you know, that, that I posed. The, the second thing is, the second underlying thing is that while these pastors may have uh, and the article lists that some of them are entrepreneurs, they have their own media companies, they have all these things. Uh, and I stated my argument was that yes, they may have independent, they may those agencies may be independent now. Those organizations, their companies, corporations, whatever they start, may be independent now. But their first and primary target audience was the church. Started they didn't start, they didn't start the their they didn't write their book. To the secular world, they wrote it to the audience they knew would buy it first, and that was the church. They didn't write, they didn't write, or they didn't start their movie companies uh, to the secular world. They started and targeted the church because they knew that was where they were going to get their tri- primary support. And once it became mainstream, in the case of T.D. Jakes, you know, uh, once his me- once his media empire became mainstream. He no longer needed to rely on the church for support. Uh, that's why he no longer draws salary. Uh, same with Creflo, same with Joel Osteen, same with Rick Warren, uh, same with all these others. And probably, and, and again, uh, these guys have gotten to the point where they need, they no longer rely on the church to support them because, you know, they're getting royalties from books. They're getting royalties from conferences and whatever else. The materials they put for, uh, they're still making money off materials put out 20 years ago because people are still purchasing them. People who are just coming, you know, discovering them, just like you discover a new artist, a new music artist, you know, a new singer, a new group. You know, they could have been under the radar for, for a while, but once they come to the main mainstream, automatically they're Income, popularity, all that stuff boosts their products. Boost. That's how it works. Uh, so, it, the fact that they are wealthy now, independently wealthy of the church now, does not mean that they got there before. They were not there before, and that was the argue, argument that I presented. Um, I and not in defense uh, because pastors need, you know. Uh, I, I stated before, I've been a bivocational pastor. I was always a bivocational pastor until my recent church appointment, where now I am a full-time pastor. And the uh, you know the salary is not compensatory of what my degrees are. My education is not by by any means. You know, based on the degrees I have and the training I have, uh, my compensation should be reflected, but it doesn't. But however, it does reflect the comfortability the comfort that I need to do the work of the ministry. But every pastor doesn't feel that way. Every pastor is not that way. Some some are just, you know, they just they want to make it big and they want to be on the big time and they'll do about it anyway. So I'm going to try this Kenneth Copeland, uh, Kenneth Copeland uh, file again and see what happens. Now I will, I, I, I'll go ahead and tell you this now. Don't, don't get disturbed because... He said three billionaires. Now, I don't, I don't want you to get disturbed because uh, since I'm one of them, it'll only leave two more. No, now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Of course, I'm saying this with a smile on my face, but I'm serious as I can be. But now, I'm not one of those three since I already am one. <laughs> 
I've already appropriated that. I've been walking in that a long time. The last, now don't tell them senators this. <laughs> the last time we totaled it up, which has been some time ago, this ministry, since it's been in operation 41 years this month, the last, the, the, the last accounting of this has been this has been uh, two three years ago. So there would probably be at least 150 million more added to this. Well, their income last year was over 100 million dollars. So uh, there has been over a billion three come into this ministry since it went into operation. So. Amen. <laughs> I'm not a billionaire because there's been over a billion dollars come through this ministry. I am a billionaire because the assignment that the Lord gave me, he said, I want you to begin to confess the billion flow. Because as long as you were in the million flow, you were winning millions. You go into the billion flow, you win billions. So I said, yes, sir, I believe I receive it. That's been a number of years ago, and I have confessed that I am in the billion flow and that I am a billionaire in the kingdom of God. Now, if you listen closely to that tech, to that audio, um, what he, he 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 said two things. He, he said he led he led, led off by saying there are three billionaires, and then he said I'm not including myself because I'm already one. And then he he says he 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 throws this in here. He says that that the year prior to this audio recording, they he his income was one hundred million dollars. That's what he took home. That's what he took home. Not his ministry. That's what he took home. Then he he says that the over the accumulation over a period of time, the ministry has accumulated one point over a billion dollars. And then he then he tries to get spiritual on them. This is where this is where it 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 gets. This is where the hustle comes in because once you start throwing in that spiritual talk, that's what catches the people's imagination. That's what gets people peak interest perk because he said the Lord said that I should stop talking, you know, stop talking about being a million, you know, just a million and, and start speaking billion. So I began to confess and, and you know, those who are following the prosperity is all about uh, name it, claim it, confess it, blah, 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 yada, 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 so forth. You know, you got to speak it into the atmosphere, speak it into your life. And, you know, and they, they mis misuse scripture, Romans uh, chapter 5 scripture about uh, calling those things which are not as though they were. God does that, not man. Um, now, so he, he, he throws that in there. And then he said... And then at the very end, you had to listen closely. He said, I'm a billionaire in the kingdom of God. So that, again, reinforces this idea that, okay, I, I'm, you know, I'm not just wealthy in the, in the material sense. I'm, I'm wealthy in the kingdom. So, so you know, that's the, he equates that. And that's where, that's where 
that all gets in. And for these preachers, you know, they, they regurgitate this and they build on this because that, again, that is the idea to make it spiritual. If you make it spiritual enough, you can get deceptive enough. Um uh, back in the chat room talks about hope is the hustle of the church. Uh, <laughs> most people never get. They give and they give hoping and hope, yet they're hopeless. And I got to agree again with this. Um, if, you, if you are – if your product is hope, which we as the church present, that's our product. Our product is hope. What is our hope? Our hope is, uh, is an eternal life. And based on our faith in Christ, that's what the hope is. That when we die, we, you know, we'll see Christ. We'll have a, a resurrection. And we'll live eternally with God uh, in heaven, whatever, however you want to put it. I'm not even going to get into that. But that is the hope that we peddle. Now attached to that is that where 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 uh, what 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 the prosperity preachers and all this folk where they attached to it is okay. While you're waiting for the hope, you should be getting stuff on this side. And getting stuff on this side means accumulating wealth of some kind. And uh, you can know that this principle works by letting me show you. This is the words of the pastor. If you see me rich, then that means it works. So if I accumulate wealth on this side, that means that God is blessing me, so it should trickle down to you, and you should have what I have. Maybe not as much, but you should get it. And if you're not getting it, it's your fault, something you're not doing right. Um, now, um, when it comes to, when it comes to a, a package for a pastor or, or a clergy and, 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 and any type of religious cleric, because, again, I'm not just trying to limit it to the Christian church. The black church is just... The problem with the black church, again, goes back to the great disparity of wealth that we, we have experienced over the last uh, five, six hundred years once we came out of our homeland uh, to, this, to the west, from the Africa to the west. The, the wealth that was amassed in our countries were, you know, that went over to, the, to Europe. When we brought over here, we were left with nothing. And so the hope that the church gave us was, you know, you don't have nothing on this side, so you get it on the next side. And then once we bought into the prosperity message of, yeah, we can have it on this side, we begin to oppress our own people once again with the same thing. Uh, but, again, I digress. So, um, regarding compensation with pastors, and I'm almost out of time, but i got to address this. Um, churches are different. And if we go by the same idea as I presented earlier with the Hobby Lobby case that corporations are living entities, if we apply that same ideology to the church or the same um, principle to the church and we see the church as a living entity, uh, there should not be excess. But somehow there is excess. Um, uh, I personally, I personally, I think if a pastor is doing ministry, they, for example, I'm an itinerant minister, which means I have a responsibility of traveling, um, not just traveling from church to church uh, outside of my pastoral ministry, but traveling to meetings, uh, various you know, different things that I have traveled to. Uh, part of my compensation includes my vehicle, uh, you know, just like uh, when I was in sales in um and, I, you know, I, I had to keep a, a record of how many miles I traveled, my odometer, because I wanted to be compensated for that, basically. 
uh, in a sense, the same way. If I travel so much, you know, I include it in my package, though. But you know, that's part of my that's part of my compensation. Um, however, uh, that does not include a helicopter if I need one. <laughs> uh, you know, this is the excess I'm talking about. Pastors who go out and buy helicopters. I was in Arkansas. I never forget uh, the church in uh, there was a church in Little Rock, Arkansas. And the pastor planted a church. Well, didn't, yeah, I guess he did plant a church in uh, Pine Bluff, Arkansas, where I was a student at the time. And so he planted the church. Um, and he basically, he it was a short, maybe an hour drive between the two locations. And he was holding two services, one at 10, and then the, I think the other one was at 11 or at 12. Either way, he... He he decided said that it was just too much for him to drive. At the time, he was driving a Lincoln Navigator. To, uh, it must have been a ninety-eight, ninety-nine Lincoln Navigator, but it was a brand new Lincoln Navigator. Baby was it looked good. And he said he had a driver. He did not drive himself. He had a, or his wife. They had drivers for them, but they uh, petitioned the new congregation. Said it's too much for us to drive this hour and then they planted in another church about another hour away and they were saying they were visiting all churches in one Sunday and they said it's too much for us to drive to these various locations and we don't want to plant a pastor at these locations but would you mind buying us a helicopter and the congregation literally bought a helicopter celebrated when they bought the helicopter and the helicopter made its first landing by the church they had a nice little parking lot that was set aside just for the helicopter to land. Now that's success. You know, that was excess. Excess is also Mr. Copeland who has a twenty million dollar jet that he flies, that he got the ministry to purpose because the other jet, which was not even five years old, was had too many miles on it or something to nature. He just said, Well, let's not charter, let's just buy. Uh and all these pastors who, you know, put the burden of their ministry on the people. And this is, again, I go back to Paul's writing in Second Corinthians chapter 8, chapter 9. Um, if you read that within the context, you find that Paul did not want to burden the church in uh, Corinth. He didn't want to burden that church. However, he was placing a burden on the Macedonian church without attempting. He wasn't doing it intentionally, but because the Macedonians had little, but they still decided that they wanted to support his itinerant ministry, his missionary ministry. They did so, and they struggled to do so, but they did. And he said, I'm basically stealing from another another church uh, so I could be here. You know, I could do this so I won't be a burden to you. And I think uh, pastors should take that into consideration. You know, how much are you a burden to your people? Uh, and, and, I, and, and I say this again. I, I know firsthand that if you're in ministry long enough, sometimes you will acquire, uh, you will amass wealth. You know, not always. But I know some preachers who died poor didn't have none. I know some preachers who have died with money. I know a lot of matter of fact, I know more preachers who died with money who started off with nothing. And they didn't burden their people, you know. Um, they didn't burden their people to do it. The people were generous because they saw the work of the ministry. Um, and then you take it into consideration like the Catholic Church, which uh, which their, peace, their priests are uh, supposedly to take a uh, – they take a, a vow of poverty, yet the Pope is 
as one of the wealthiest uh, clerics on the planet, lived in a mansion, a palace, literally, a palace, and some of the Catholic priests, so of course there was one in Germany who lived in a million, uh, multi-million dollar uh, palace, and they, they, you know, condemned him for doing that. But, the, you know, it's not just in the black church. Uh, think about at the time of, the de- of his death, Elijah Muhammad had accumulated millions. Uh, Louis Farrakhan is a multimillionaire. So you can't just say it's a Christian thing. Uh, it's, it's all about oppression. You know, it, that's, that's the primary thing. If you can keep people oppressed, if you keep oppressed people oppressed and think that they have an t- opportunity to get themselves out of oppression by giving, then guess what? That's how the preacher mass as well. Now, I'm into, I, I subscribe to the idea of giving to be blessed because Christ said that. Luke 6, 38, giving and will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over with men given to your bosom. And within the context, he's also subscribing to a, a whole lot of things God, about God providing for you. So, in essence, it's not the fact that you won't be blessed. I mean, even Jesus had funds to carry out ministry. He had enough. For to have require a treasury, he had enough to require an accountant that just happened to be thief, Judas, who just happened to be a thief. Uh, and Judas was, you know, apparently he was savvy enough to understand value in economics or whatever it may have been. Uh, yet he betrayed him for less than what the treasury had. <laughs> Perhaps I'm, I'm speculating. That's speculation. But in a, in, a, in essence. Um, the point, the point of the conference, the point of dialogue, that dialogue, is um, yeah. Uh, somebody pointed that out. Yeah, that was Silas Johnson. I didn't want to say the name, but you, <laughs> that that's who it was. And I just happened to be around at that time when when he purchased a helicopter. But anyway, um, so, so so we can't limit it. Again, to it's not a it's not a black church thing, and one of my friends uh, pointed out that Nigeria is not uh, Nigeria is not a poor country. Nigeria has uh, over 100 million people, and it's one of the most prosperous countries on the continent of Africa. And uh, at least two of those pastors who are the wealthiest in that country are not only are they you know not only are pastors, but they are. They're well-educated. These dudes have, you know, terminal degrees, earned terminal degrees, not honorary. I'm talking about earned. They taught at universities. They they worked in the government, and so they accumulated wealth in, in various ways and forms. So, so you can't discredit that. Um, but again, I go back to the first argument that I made, that I made, and I, if the accumulation of the wealth initially is by the church. And then once it's independent of the church, you're no longer a pastor. Can no longer claim the tax. I, I I say this, and I hurt some people feeling when I say T.D. Jakes is not a pastor. He's not a bishop. He's carried those titles, but he no he no longer functions in that capacity. He has not functioned in those in that capacity in years. He's turned over the leadership of his church, both locations, to others, and he doesn't function. And he's in the mainstream. He doesn't need the church anymore. He's America's pastor now. Same with Rick Warren. Uh, Rick Warren had gotten to that point where he was America's pastor, and he no longer needed the wealth of uh, you know the church. He was basically giving all of his royalty. I mean, yeah, whatever he made went back to the church. He was living independent of the church. 
the problem is on the, the small level, the micro level, where these pastors with 100 people, 200 people are trying to imitate that type of lifestyle. And so they, they you know, I've been to a church where, you know, a pastor on his, her, well, his anniversary, not her, but his anniversary was given $50,000. And that was just the first service. That wasn't in the main service. The main service, they usually raise close to $100,000 for this dude. And, you know, there's the other question of what exactly does the pastor do to to uh, deserve such wealth. You know, most people think that we only do, we only work, you know, maybe 10 hours the whole week. Now, I wish I only worked 10 hours the whole week. I mean, I put in time. I can't say that for others, but I know, I know a lot of pastors, you know, you never see them until Sunday morning or some once they get too big, they don't even do that Wednesday, you know. So, I I, I really add so much. I'm gonna take a quick break. Uh, take this quick break. If you want some comments, you want to get your comments in. Uh, feel free to call three four seven two three seven five two three zero. That's the number to call. We're gonna go a little bit over the time, uh, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm gonna take a quick break, um, and then we'll be back right after this. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. All right. Just had that quick break. Just interrupt, get my thoughts together. Anyway, so we're closing out this program. And I, I would love to hear your thoughts and your insights about this topic. You know, um, as a pastor, I, I, uh, I, I get this all the time that... Some preachers overdo themselves and are underpaid, but that's the same thing some argue about teachers. They are overworked and underpaid. Then same thing they argue about the the, the military, uh, members of the military, members of the uh, local fire and police department. And that argument can be made. But with every argument that, that is made regarding low pay, there also has to be the, the argument about honor and what's worthy of honor or double honor. And with some of these pastors, uh, now the the ones that we talk about, uh, they are in the stratosphere. You know, it's clear. You know, once you get that million dollar, not just the salary, but you know, once once it's once it's residual, then you know you're in a whole different field. But for those of you who are young, those of you who are uh, who have the smaller churches, well, let me encourage you not to be a burden to your people. You don't want to overdo. People, we're going to be going off the air very quickly, and uh, uh, so um, while we're running out of time, I just wanted again to say thank you for it. Now, if you if you um, if you hold on, we'll be off the air, but we'll still be recording live. So if you want to get your thoughts and information on inside, you can. But uh, I encourage you encourage you to go to the Facebook page, like the page, subscribe to the show, like the show. You can listen to any archive show all the way back from the last four years. How it is. Um, 
So I want to give you an opportunity to do that. But for these young, for these preachers who are ascribing to be millionaires of the church, the only way you could do that, the only way you could be a billionaire of the church is to basically operate in some kind of deceit. Uh, I'm going to take this call real quick. Uh, go ahead, caller, you're on the air. Uh, how, how are you, Pastor? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, 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 man. It's my uh, first time actually listening, first time caller. I was uh, little br- doing a little browsing and found your show, and I was like, man, this, this, this is some real good stuff, real good stuff. If I may, you, and I think you were kind of alluding to it, especially I think one of the biggest problems uh, that that we have in the body of Christ with this is the mentality of a lot of preachers that are coming up now. Um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of preachers that have what they have now. Granted, they have been in it for a while. Yes, they paid some dues. Yes, they sacrificed some things, and and uh, and now what they labored for um, is coming back to them. But I, I think one of the biggest problems we have is that you have these guys that are that are uh, saved on this week. They get called to the ministry next year. Then they get in the pulpit and they want to become apostles, prophets, and all of this stuff, and think that just because they're at that quote, level in their eyesight, that it's time for them to accumulate all of this stuff. And as you were saying, I think this is where the deceit comes. This is where, um, you know, using profits and money from the church unwisely. And I, I think it's just a, a, a shame at, at, at best that a lot of preachers are using the hard-earned money of their members and are telling the people to live by faith. But they, in turn, aren't really living by faith, but they're living off exactly. of the backs of, of those that are, you know, their members. You made a – that's the point I wish I, I should have brought up because once you get to a, a particular income level, you're not living by faith. Exactly. You're not living by faith. I live by faith because I literally have to rely on the giving of my member, my parishioners, for support, you know. If the giving goes down, my salary wouldn't go down. It it, it won't go down, but it will directly affect me. You right. know, I, I I won't be able to travel as much. You know, I haven't had a vacation, and I don't know long, know when. But you know, there are some of these jokers who their members send them on vacation. Right. They, they they save up their their money that they need to pay bills to send their pastor and his wife or whoever on a vacation. You know, and not just to Disney World. You know, I'm talking about these. Right, right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and, um, but again, they they're not living by faith exactly. because, and I, I I know of horror stories where pastors who, um, you know, they had accumulated a particular lifestyle and the members stopped giving, so they got angry at the members. You know, right, they're calling right. members out. they one pastor, <laughs> one pastor I know in particular posted non tithers. You know posted a list of non-tithers mm-hmm. and said mm-hmm. you're no longer entitled to the services the church provide because you're not a tither and another one basically all but evicted the members say if you're not a tither for a certain amount of time don't even come back to the church and i wow. was in the service when he said that wow. and i couldn't believe that and i was a visitor <laughs> right 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 i, oh, I understand I, I i was i'll put it to you I, i'll try to be real quick i i the church that I recently left after 21 years of being an assistant pastor, I, I was at the church I started with, I was at the very first service with six people, 
So when I saw the church grow from six people to now two locations with probably a combined membership of, say, maybe right at 1,500 to 2,000. So I've seen the ins and outs of of how money plays in the uh, the development and sometimes the demise of ministry. So, you know. My my pray, my prayers my prayers with with uh, a lot of you all that are doing it like the book says I, I'll just put it to you like that. <laughs> well, there there are more of us than than have been uh, notified because unfortunately these these ministers are the ones that get that they get the imagination of the the mainstream the outsiders right. the unchurched. Right. Yes, sir. Uh, and I have a lot of friends uh, and acquaintances who are. Non-believers. One of my dearest friends is a non-believer, and I'm one of the, if not the only pastor that she completely respects, because she knows that I'm actually doing work. I've been doing doing this since I was 12 years old. I've been in ministry since I was 12 years old, and mm. pastoral ministry over 20 years. Wow. And and you know, it's not that. Like I said, I went. I got trained. And I have uh, you know, I have a secular background as well as a religious background. But I understand both of them uh, are gifts and talents that the Lord has blessed me with. And if wealth comes, it would become it would become be because of the what He's already put in me and His right. will be. Exactly. It won't be because I got some screen some uh, scheme or gimmick to accumulate wealth. Right. right. All right. Appreciate All right. God you, bless you. Appreciate you. God bless you. I got another caller. Caller, you on the air? Yes, good Hello. afternoon, Pastor Neil. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you, sir? I'm fine. Go ahead with your comment. Uh, sure. Well, I'm actually just like your last caller. I'm a first-time caller and also a first-time listener. Um, I happened to see your thing on your uh, advertisement on Facebook as well and was interested in uh, hearing you speak on the particular subject and everything. So I'm, I'm uh, glad I glad I was able to um, to tune in to your to your show and and um, get more information on uh, on your radio show and everything too. So I appreciate, I appreciate that. And I appreciate that. Um, we had technical difficulties today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I, caught, I got in about halfway through the show, so I, I might have missed all of the, the technical difficulty maybe. <laughs> but um, but it's a, it's a great topic, an interesting topic as well, because when you get into um, the, uh, the, the pastors and, and, and wealth, and, and I think people have to also understand um, – well, they, sometimes I think the, there's a misperception of what wealth is, too, because wealth is not just financial. You know, wealth is also spiritual, and it's also um, psychological, and it's also uh, emotional. And, and when you have those other aspects of, um, of wealth, uh, then you, I, I think you, you, you can, you, you'll be a better person, first of all, but then you have to also, whether you're a, a member of a church or the, the pastor of a church, your wealth should, should not just be um, looked at from a financial perspective. Um, and these, the, the media, and you've hit it right on the button when it comes to um, the, the mainstream, you know, the mainstream pastors, the ones that, that you mentioned, and then there are several others that, you know, that are the ones that you hear about most often. Those are the ones that are, to me, um, and you can maybe want to talk on that too, the, these, those are the ones that are the exception and not the rule um, because most 
you know, most pastors of, uh, of, of churches, the average church size is nowhere near those size churches. You know, the, the average size churches may be 200 people. That's so correct. That's, that's right. There's, yeah, so there's a you know people have this misperception that, uh, like you said, they put these these uh, these the mainstream preachers preachers or the ones that they see that you see all the time, um, those are the ones that you hear about all the time, the ones that get the most press, the ones that you know that seem to have these lavish lifestyles, and and a lot of them that's what they that's what kind of what they portray. They put that out there, like you, the the um, the clip that you played of of, um, of Kenneth Copeland. You know, nobody needs to know that he's a billionaire, and that's to me that's something that he shouldn't he shouldn't have to talk about. There's no need for him to talk about it. You know, and when I when I see or hear um, pastors who have that um, look at look at my wealth, look at me type of mentality, you have to be very careful and very leery of them because it becomes a thing where are you more um, concerned about people seeing your wealth or are you more concerned about the God that you're preaching about or that you say you're preaching about? So pastors have to be very careful when they when they do that, um, I guess, quote-unquote, prosperity preaching, you know, where they talk about, you know, talk about wealth and you can have this, like you talked about having that, that hope of being a billionaire. No, that's not where your hope lies. That's not who your hope should lie in because the God I serve and I believe the God you serve tells me that, um, one, that he gives me the ability to make wealth, to, to get wealth, and the gifts that he's given me will, will, will do more exceedingly abundantly than I could even ever ask or think of. So, you know, those things people have to understand, and have, you have to be really, um, like the the, um, the assistant pastor that just talked said, you have to be grounded in that word. And, and so many people, uh, so many uh, so many members of churches get caught up in the seeing their pastor having a nice suit on or driving a nice car, like you said, you know, <laughs> ones that have jets and and all those and all of those things. You know that that um, you know that show this lavish lifestyle, but um, you know one they don't talk about one how they how they got there, and a lot of them are exactly like you said they didn't get their wealth. You know they got their they got their wealth uh, beginning from starting in the church. It wasn't that they started a business and then went to the church. It was they used the foundation of you know of the church, gained a, a, a you know gained a a, um, a following. So to speak, and it's almost like uh, same in business in, in business terms. You know, a business when it starts out, it's it's it grows. It, it you know it, it gets that name recognition. It it puts itself out there and it starts to grow a name and it starts to get it may start to grow and get bigger and bigger. And as 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 the name grows, you know, so does the you know so does the company and so does you know the the person who may be running that particular company. You know, so pastors have to be careful. There's a there's a line to me that you do tote with that. Um, I'm all for you know for pastors being um doing the work that they do um but to me you have to be careful because is what you did or what you do taking you away from your members and what you're supposed what you originally were supposed to be doing when you felt you were called to preach yeah you know, exactly um, you know, you, you got to exactly. be really careful. And, and to me, when when those pastors, when you're spending more time outside of your pulpit than inside of your pulpit or with your members, what are you about? And, you know? and, and again, again, that's that's the, that's the thing I want to emphasize because mm-hmm. 
you have to take away time from pastoral ministry to right. become wealthy right. financially. Right. There is no right. way around it. You have right. to. Um, it's more than just you know going and building a name for yourself or a brand for yourself. You literally right. have to come up with gimmicks and schemes that takes away from the ministry that you're supposed to be called to. And right. when you when you do that, yeah, you pro- you get money, but then you you know, you know you you don't know members, you don't know conditions of members, you don't know right. you may be aware of what's going on, but you know right. and, you know you're too busy selling books or. You know, on a right. on a speaking circuit circuit to really be a pastor, and so and that's why right. I, I say you know, uh, and I, and I say if one break, uh, you know, uh, guys like Jake's are no longer pastors. They you shouldn't even call him. And if you've been following, he doesn't even go by Bishop T D Jake's anymore. He just go by his his you know moniker T D Jake. That's his right. brand now. Right, and, and that's that becomes the that becomes the question is like you just said, what are you you know when when you get to you know that level or you know those type of levels, you really you you really don't know what the needs are of your of your one of your members, and then two the needs of the community that you're serving, you know. You, because you're you're busy, you know you you have your engagements that you got to go here and got to go there, and of course you have the the business side of your of what you're doing pulling you, you know saying well you got to be here you got to be here, you you have no time to be able to even concentrate on the I won't say day to day aspects but those needs of your of your congregation and how to make them better, because to me that should be your ultimate goal. Is to is making your is 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 make one making your members better um, in their walk in the kingdom, and then also making them uh, be better Christians, making them be better individuals, and, and making them to to be able to um, understand what their needs are and meet those needs, so that they can as a whole be better people, and as a, and and then from that you become you you grow a, a better community. Yes, yeah. indeed. Andy, well, I, I've I've really exceeded my time, and I, I appreciate your dialogue. I appreciate you, and I, I want to encourage you to. Uh, so, well, I got another caller, but uh, uh, subscribe to the show. Go to our Facebook page, like the uh, Facebook page, and um, keep up following us. And if you have an idea for a show, let me know. I'll be glad to do it. All right, one more caller. Go ahead. Hi, I would just like to say, like, I have an uncle who has his own church. And if you're not a tither, if I mean seriously, he wants to see your bank. He wants to see your bank statement. He wants you to bring in. If you're a member of his church, your check stubs and everything. And if you're not a tither, you can't even get a meeting with him. Are you serious? Is it that bad? Seriously, he does that. And his church. I mean, his church pays for everything. The house he lives in, the car he drives. He takes regular trips to Africa. His church pays for it all. He doesn't have an income outside of the church. And if you aren't a tither, they're not even talking to you. Now, I'm sure the church has some type of supplemented income, right? They got a daycare center. They got something. They got, I know they got something that, that it, you know, supplements his income somehow. He well, does. There is a daycare center. There is. His wife runs the daycare center. That is not... You know, that's under the, the umbrella of the ministry. And you st- like my whole thing with the prosperity preachers and all of that is their accessibility to the people. 
And I think it's like, how could you say you're a pastor if you won't even, some people can't tithe. Some people don't have anything to tithe. And are they not in, you know, do they not, do they not need leadership, you know, spiritual leadership? Do they not need that? Because they don't have the money to pay for it? I mean, Christ should not have to be paid for. Salvation shouldn't come with a dollar sign. I, 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 I argue that it's, it's far from scriptural. It's completely capitalism. You have Western capitalism that drives this idea of wealthy preachers. Uh, for example, um, if you go back to church history, you find that during the first, uh, uh, after, what, mm, the first five or six centuries of the church, the popes were wealthy. The priests were wealthy, but the cardinals and priests were wealthy. Uh, they lived off the people, and they were wealthier than their, the people. The people were peasants. And then, particularly uh, up until up until the 1900s or 1800s, the Pope was the wealthiest person on the planet. And the the Catholic Church was is well, the Catholic Church is still the um, the wealthiest land owning organization on the planet. So. Uh, it's just it's just crazy for these preachers who think that um that it's their responsibility and their obligation and their anointing to be wealthy just for it you know for the sake of being wealthy they don't do anything else oh yeah i I also have a cousin who you can't talk to him i mean talk point blank and period he has his own church he deemed himself a bishop and he the the closest you can get is his deacon, and his deacons run his life, run everything. When my grandfather, his uncle was sick, he couldn't even come and preach. He sent one of his deacons. Wow. He wouldn't even pray for him. He sent one of his deacons. One of his deacons came, and his mom was was a little, you know, not his mom, you know, his stepmom was a little, you know, appalled at the fact that when she called him, she didn't even get a response. And I mean, I that's the type of thing. That's what what took me away from the church. You know, the church as a whole. And I'm I'm a firm believer in in God. I believe that Christ died for all of us. And in that, I mean, if you want to take it all and make it all about money, then how can you say that you're a, a child of God? How that's can you true. call yourself a shepherd of His people? You know. Oh boy, that's crazy. That that is crazy, and I know a lot of you know I, just from observing here in Jackson, there are a lot of smaller congregations who are trying to get to that mega church status with one leap. You know, they're not even trying to build it anymore. You know, they're demanding that the that the members tithe to them. You know, they use the scripture where that there may be meat in my house. They use that literally saying that there need to be meat in my house, so you give the money to me. And the church suffers. They're in these rundown, broke buildings. Matter of fact, uh, just on one of the main thoroughways here, not far from where I live, there are four storefront churches in two separate buildings that look run down. But if you go, if you drive by there, you're gonna see one. And then in the middle of that one is another one. Then on down is another. And uh, it's, it's just crazy. But that's the way it is, unfortunately. But I've run out of time. I've really run out of time. Thank you for your insight um, and, and all of that. So, But I'm going to get off the air, 
And again, we appreciate all the callers, all the insight, all the information. Tune in next week when we have another uh, another wonderful show. Again, subscribe to the show on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, like the Facebook page. Follow me. Send me. Tweet me. Whatever it means. We're going to be out uh, this day. We just appreciate you, uh, your support. And the God be the glory. Great things he has done. Till next time, have a wonderful, uh, wonderful fourth uh, holiday week- weekend. And uh, don't pop too many fireworks. But have a great time. It's Pastor Wednesday Neal, and I'm out. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.